Welcome to the 20th episode of Phone Talks. My name is Elisa Med, I'm the editor-in-chief of Phone Magazine. And today I have the great pleasure to introduce you to a brand new episode of Phone Talks. To celebrate the 15th birthday of Phone Magazine's talent issue, me and my fellow editors will invite back some of the amazing artists we worked with in the past and chat with them about their practice and current projects. For this episode, my colleague Katie Kundermart invited Colombian photographer Anna Vallejo, who was featured as Foam Talent in 2021. Katie and Anna, take it away. Hi, Anna. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. How are you? Great, Katie. It's really nice to, to speak with you again. For our listeners, Anna and I actually met in person, which uh, feels very rare in these times and beautiful, um, a few weeks ago here in Amsterdam. It's really great to be able to continue our conversations and uh, to hear a bit more about what's been going on since that meeting here on the canal. And I will actually dive right into it. On your website, uh, we read a quote, I'm interested in marginal spaces that which reside outside of the status quo and are often excluded by society and defined by a rigid stigma. And in your work, uh, we see this, this statement by you applied to various struggles around discrimination, racism, mental health and trauma. I'm curious and I'm wondering if we could start the conversation maybe by sharing how you started with photography and, and yeah, what, uh, what the introduction into the medium was, how your journey developed so far to where you're at now. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, I think there's an interesting connection sort of uh, how I started to discover photography and this interest in marginal spaces. So, I mean, if we start way back... I think yeah. I've always had like a, a like I've always had a, a soft point for for the underdogs. In high school, I would always be you know like the troublemaker when like I found something was unfair or like someone was being misjudged. You know, like I was always the defender. If that makes yeah. sense. And I remember I don't know if you remember when you graduate in high school on the yearbook they put like. Sometimes they put like, this person in 10 years will be. And they told me that I would be the future Che Guevara, which is, wow. which is kind of <laughs> hilarious. But it was pretty much because of that, because I was always like standing yeah. up for others when something was unfair. And I think, I mean, then I went on to study biology. Uh, so basically, I took quite a loop before I got into photography. I started biology and I wanted to be a neuroscientist. And I, I studied biology in Alabama, in the United States. And then I went to, to Cali, Colombia, to live with my grandparents for a couple of years. And I started going there to weekly, um, to like the weekly meetings of a mental health hospital, a psychiatric hospital. And I had like this fixation to understand human consciousness. So I don't even remember how I got access there, but I would go every Wednesday and sit down with the doctors to hear for the weekly case of one of the patients. Um, and this hospital is very old in Cali, so they even had a, a ward, it's called, with um, people who were, uh, in, in like, were there permanently. So I remember going in there and like that was also very intense. And I would do that on Wednesdays and let's say on Thursdays, I would go to the genetics lab of another university. And then on Tuesdays, let's say, I would go to another university to the neuroscience labs. And I was just volunteering all, in all of this in my search to be a neuroscientist. Uh, 
by the time that they, one of the universities asked me if I wanted to like take it a step further and apply to finance like my own experiment, I realized the lab world just wasn't for me. Um, you know, like in the labs, a microgram makes a difference. And I think I'm a very methodic person, but I'm also extremely aloof. <laughs> so I really didn't fit my, find myself fitting in this scenario. Um, and by that time, I was also doing photography class on Saturday just as a hobby. And I realized the hobby was my career. But like looking back, it's just funny that I was, you know, doing all these random visits and looking back I realized that it was really like my 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 I don't know like my huge curiosity to understand the human nature but also to understand my father um so yeah I mean the story of my father um the story of my father is that my father is uh mentally ill person. He's a schizophrenic person and he's had a drug addiction problem since he was extremely young. Um, so I think that explains a lot of my interest of understanding the marginalized. I think I have like, for me, it's very problematic when something is just like reduced to a word. So I find like that's that's very much the reality when it comes to my father, for example, like the way I was explained what my father was, because my father is, you know, like it's a mystery to me. And the way that he was explained to me many times was only reduced to, you know, an addict or uh, a schizophrenic person. And what does that even mean? Like there's a whole universe in there. So I think that drives me a lot to kind of like understand the misfit, the marginalized, like, yeah, like communities or themes that have a taboo because I feel like there's so much more behind that stigma. Yeah. And this makes so much sense, at least to me now, also thinking about your, your visual language or um, the experience I kind of, you know, have when looking at your images. There's, it feels like a very, um, a very uh, specific search or like a kind of, yeah, a very a very messy search into something um, through colors and textures um, and very expressive visuals uh, and I guess yeah um, compositions um, that then actually do um, you know stand in for words. Um, I think it's really beautiful how you just you know phrased it that there's this whole universe that cannot be reduced to a word. Um, so. It's really interesting to see how through your work you're kind of painting this world or or at least you know co collecting fragments of it um, the way it seems um, in, a, in a very personal but still kind of you know general or universal way that, that people can can connect to or or, or, or sh maybe share um, um, what you've experienced or what you're looking for um, are there any specific photographers or body of works that um, gave you also the confidence to um, yeah to go to these places and and to be so open about your your personal story and and also being vulnerable um, within your practice 
Um, I've, I've read that, um, I think Nangolden has been mentioned a lot, but I'm wondering if maybe there's other uh, people, doesn't even have to be photographers, who, yeah, who kind of inspired you to, um, to walk in that direction. Yeah, I mean, when I started New Romantic, um, like, I guess a quick way to uh, introduce New Romantic is that it was a realization, like, it was the project, the entry point is the realization that I'm a love addict, right? And the whole project is kind of deconstructing what that means to kind of get to the core of it and understand it. So when I first brought it up, I was studying at ICP, for example, and Many of my mentors back then were like, why would you want to do a project on love? And I mean, not, not why, but like it's been done so many times. And why, why are you going to mix science with like, how are you going to mix science with love? Like that's kind of contradictory. Um, I would bring like these graphs to class, you know, and like, people were like, and colors and people are like what are you talking about like it was just so confusing for everyone and and I understand it was confusing because I had no idea either like I knew I wanted to do about this but I had no idea how to develop the language for it you know like that's actually what took me the longest I think even a whole year to actually figure out how I wanted to do the images um and yes like people would bring up a lot like Nan Golding I think the difference in Neuromantic is that um, Neuromantic is a project that has actually changed me. And I don't think I even realized how serious the project would be for me when I when I started. Like it I mean, my love addiction and infatuation was so real that I knew I needed like I was so obsessed with it that I was like, I might as well do a project about this. And then with the pandemic and everything, it just started going deeper and deeper, the project. And like, I started taking it more seriously. And, and yes, like two years in, I can, I can testify like this project has evolved so many things within me, you know, like it's been like a tool for self-actualization. So I think it's basically like, yes, the battle of sexual dependency, like Nan Golding, but um, like the new age uh hopeful version <laughs> because in the end it's it's looking for art as a tool to to transcend and heal and hopefully not just me but also like it be a, a space for collaboration and participation of other people to you know like engage with uncomfortable themes but that can also bring growth um so regarding people that I look up to. I mean, there's different things that for, for a while, I was very much into this channel called The End. And basically, I think they're a New York lab. I'm not sure where all the members are from, but it's it's like social experiments where couples are invited and they have set up a deck of cards. Each person pulls out a card and asks a very personal question to each other. And so it brings like a lot of empathy and connection. Um, one of the interesting things has been realizing that this can actually be very serious, like the intentions of the project and these kinds of initiatives are very positive, but at the same time, we don't know what can happen when we're tapping on vulnerabilities. And so sometimes um, unexpected things can happen, you know, like people can get triggered in ways that they could not foresee. So it's just something, it's it's just a responsibility, something to be aware of and kind of like be very clear and communicative with people participating. Like 
play like this might take us places we're not even ready um but the intentions are good and like we can stop whenever we feel uncomfortable a lot of consent but yeah it has it does have like a, a complicated aspect to it and um i do want to like get more resources i would like to get um perhaps a master's degree in art and science, you know, like just learn a little bit more about therapy so I have more more tools when engaging in these kinds of activities and like projects. Yeah. And do people often reach out to you or maybe strangers um, with responses to the work? Have you do, you, do you have this kind of interaction also through the series? Uh, or was this mainly with, with the people you photographed, um, this kind of direct uh, subject? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's the most rewarding because many times when when I present, like I'm still working on neuromantic mostly, like it's more on the on the diffusion side. Like I want to make a book now, but I'm still working on it. So like when I show it to reviewers and stuff, many times the question is like, it's so personal. Like why would other would other people, you know, like be interested in it and it's it's tough for me to answer that i do try in any in like in many ways to make it more like by engaging other people i want to make it more universal like for me the interaction and collaboration is is a essential part of it but in the end like yeah why would other people care but then i get like a lot of messages i do get messages like uh from people i don't know like it's so important that you're talking about this, like this really hits home or uh, thank you for being so brave. Like this is inspiring, like they can relate to it. So when I get those messages, that's when I feel like really happy. And you were speaking about colors, um, which is actually something I had kind of noted down to ask you or randomly um, bring in. What is your relationship with colors? You said you would be bringing colors into the yeah, to the classrooms. And I, I noticed quite a strong presence of pinks and blues, especially in the uh, Neuromantic series, um, which are really striking and at least to me give a very, I don't know, a very comforting um, but also eerie uh, right. atmosphere. So I'm just curious if you had any, yeah, any insights uh, from that perspective. Yes, definitely. I mean, I feel like my my connection with color is mostly um, like visceral. When I started photography, I was really bad at composing, and it took me longer like to understand light than it did color. Like color has always been intuitive for me, and it's kind of the same as when I collage. Um, collaging for me is very intuitive process. Like the more I practice, you know, the more I can do things and like flow with it but it's, it's it's very much I don't I can't explain it like it's not a conscious process um whereas composing the light or or you know a, a directing models all of these things are mm, so I've always had like a very uh, visceral connection to color and for neuromantic it just felt like it was a good tool to express like the intensity of uh, this psychological state. Thinking more practically in terms of creating a space to allow these emotions to also come up, I can imagine for um, the, the person being photographed, but also for you as the photographer and I guess initiator of of this exchange or also of, you know, this, this sharing of um, very personal and 
uh, or personal stories and vulnerability um, to create the safe space um, during the photo shoot, for example, or even just you know within the the, the connection between um, uh, you and and the subject or the subjects. Um, yeah, do you have any uh, any any practices of of carving out that space for your practice? Yes, definitely. Um, for me, I think more and more the process is an essential part of the work. Um, perhaps even more than the than the product in the sense that I think the most important happens during the process, right? So when it comes, for example, to couples, I usually meet them first. Um, this is something that's very much in the making. Like I photographed only three couples so far. And first we meet, and it's all also a learning curve. Like there's mistakes, you know, that I've done that I've been like, okay, this, I should address this different. Like as much as you want to prepare for this, this is what I was mentioning before. Like it's still, there's still a risk. And I think the, the most important way to go about that is to like communicate that from the beginning that, you know, we're human and like there's a risk to it. But I try to be very responsible about like this trust that I'm given in the sense that um, I'm very aware of the process, like the importance of making people feel comfortable, etc. So I try my best in that sense. And um, we meet, then we talk. And usually like they share their story to me. Like I don't want to be, when I'm photographing couples, I don't want to be an active participant so much. Not in the sense that I'm the fly in the wall, but more like I don't take part of the interaction. Like I'm just observing, maybe directing as well, but it's about them. Um, but in the end, yeah, like, it's like little experiments, the way I see them, where we connect, you know. So whether it's like just me and a couple and like they're opening up to me and hopefully um, coming closer together by talking about these things. Like I will ask things like, what what do you see unique in the other person? What makes you guys a strong couple? What do you what what do you find inspiring? And so these kinds of questions can build trust and connection. And I think photography can be a tool for for connecting and that's what I try to do in these processes in these projects like um, at the same time uh, when it comes to like me getting like some space for my work I mean right now I work in fine art painting so I'm very much on my own too like I enjoy doing activities where I'm on my own I, like it's funny I love collaborating but at the same time, I need a lot of space of my own. So even though I collaborate a lot in the projects, I also spend a lot of time with my thoughts. And this is when I get ideas of like different things that I want to conceptualize or photograph. Bringing it back to, um, I guess, the body of work as an evolving uh, kind of work in progress. As part of the uh, talent program, um, New Romantic was shown and also interactable online in, in various shapes and forms, so in the magazine, in print, but then also on our digital platform, including maybe more, yeah, more GIFs, more animations of the surfaces, um, and also an anonymous survey that invites uh, the viewers um, or readers to open up and share and kind of yeah, join your, your community um, of sorts. Again, connecting through the art to your, to your viewers or, or kind of to the, um, the people engaging with it. Uh, could you maybe share a bit more about that project and um, 
if there are any any places where we can follow this and um, and get more insights onto the outcome of of your submissions. Yes, of course. So it was it's been like a year, I think. I started. This is it's called all these feelings, and it's basically an annex of neuromantic. Um, so this is like the data aspect of it, and I started collaborating with a data scientist. His name is Andrew Hill, and together, like we developed a survey where we do a very simple test, like a compressed test of only six questions, to address the attachment style of each person. It's everything's <laughs> everything's anonymous. So we would go like we did it in the summer. I want this summer. I want to activate the project again because I found that it was very effective to go to parks, especially in Brooklyn, that are a little more relaxed than the ones in Manhattan. And or I don't know, maybe the the range of ages that I found there were more participating. Um, but yeah, so I would go to the parks and we would do like a little event, have music, and like go up to people, explain the project, and give them the QR codes. And it was really nice to see that most of the people answered it. So, so far we have around like 100 participants. And yeah, I would like to double that this summer. And basically like my idea with it, I also started now uh, collaborating with a web designer, uh, Pedro Sodre. Uh, the idea is to collect all the information, like to kind of be able to uh, automatically grab the data from from the sheets to a website where you, the user could hopefully navigate answers according to attachment styles, right? So it's kind of like the idea is to be an empathy platform, driven platform, where you can either see people who are like you, like you can also do the test and answer the survey and see where you are in the map. And you can see how other people similar to you feel and think or answer these questions. But then you can you could also go potentially to like the completely opposite, which is very much what happens in dysfunctional relationship. It's usually a very anxious person and then a very avoidant or dismissive, dismissing one. And they're two completely different perspectives and there's no bridge between them. So I was like, it would be very interesting to see how someone completely opposite to you thinks and answers this survey. So that's the idea. Um, all these since like for now we're gathering the information. I also collaborated with Colombian graphic designer Catalina Lopez, and with my friend and singer and songwriter Nicole Haddad. So Catalina Lopez helped me like with the Instagram. We would we would do weekly posts where I share science like the research of behind love addiction and like trauma, a chronic anxiety. Um, how like your attachment style affects your relationships, uh, how stress affects the way you perceive reality. So I share a little bit of all these uh, scientific um, findings. And then I also share answers from the surveys. And we would also ask questions, for instance, on the stories where people can interact with it. So we have like that uh, Instagram platform and with Nicole, Nicole was helping me mostly like events, like going to the parts or like when she has a concert, she would talk about the project and give out the like, QR codes. So yeah, that's that's that part of the project. Yeah, I think it's such amazing and important work uh, you're doing and really fighting, yeah, in a group, 
stigmas around mental health or even the silence around mental health. I think um, we're really experiencing a time when, or at least in, in maybe in, in my bubble, it's popping up a lot, like on very different, in very different shapes and forms, um, kind of self-help uh, initiatives or, or quotes. Like, I think it does feel like it is opening up a bit more, um, but I think this project sounds like a really refreshing uh, approach also and, and maybe more visceral, like you were talking before about the colors, a more, a more uh, visual and visceral way of approaching it. Um, and in a way, yeah, kind of secret diary uh, where, you can, where you can confess or, or share whatever's on your mind in a, in a safe way. So very curious to see how that comes along and especially the work with, uh, with graphic designers and, um, and a website. Uh, do yeah keep keep us informed um but speaking of instagram i don't want this to be all about instagram but i noticed also um i read on your bio that you are a part of various collectives um one of which uh, native photography and the authority collective um and seeing as um our conversation has yeah kind of revolved around the idea of community and, and human connection so far. I was really curious to hear more about your involvement in these groups or how that also shapes your, your practice um, and, and the way you work uh, on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, really just curious to hear more about those. Yeah, I mean, I think collectives are very powerful because they connect us with, I mean, it's like a whole community worldwide, right? And I feel like the internet now, like the photo community, just connects us in so many ways. Like we can have reviews, peer-to-peer um, -peer conversations, meet people that we had never. So there's like a, a whole, you know, range of opportunities due to the internet. Um, and at the same time, it's like we're shifting a, in many ways, like the photo world, thankfully. I mean, mostly in the independent spaces, but in general, like, there's change uh, of, you know, like kind of like uh, transgressing, like the male gaze, you know, like bringing in more women, more non-binary people, uh, minorities, just making photography a more inclusive space. And in that way, collectives are very, very useful. So, I mean, collective depends on the, on the objective of each of them, but the first one that I was part of was Native Photograph and it was it was amazing. We had uh, there was a photo festival in Quito, Ecuador, and back then uh, Laura Villamizar found funding from the International Women's Media Foundation, and I think it was between twenty and thirty, maybe even more, like women, young women, uh, female journalists from Latin America were flown to Quito. And all their expenses were paid to spend a week together. And that was mind-blowing. Like, it was the first thing that I ever got in the photo industry. Like, I was working as a photographer, but it was, like, the first opportunity. And it blew my mind just being able to meet, like, renowned photographers and, like, all these other women my age from my country or, like, nearby countries that had the same, like, hope and dreams, you know? Like, it, it was really powerful to me. And... Yeah, so we were part of that collective. We had a Slack and some of these collectives like peak and then they kind of like disperse a little just because so much energy is required to keep them alive as well. 
Um, but collectives have been essential in my in my growth. Um, and yeah, I find like it's super important to 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 be part of them. I really enjoy that. Like, you know, just feel the the support and be able to give back and like keep the community strong, like the female community and like bring opportunities, for example, to to our countries, to other girls who are starting out. Like it's just very important to to keep these networks alive. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, are you are you finding um, similar collectives in New York as well? Because I understand you've been in New York for two, roughly two years now, which is relatively short. Are are there are you connecting there on on similar kind of um, or similar dynamics? Yeah. Uh, recently, Lucia Vasquez. She's um, she's a, she went to school with me. She's she's about to launch a new collective. It's called Foto Futuro, oh, and wow. it's yeah, and it's 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 mostly <laughs> the right. It's a good name. <laughs> it's mostly ICP women who are in the group. I mean, I don't think it's exclusive to that, and it's not exclusive to women either. But that's kind of like the core. And the idea is that she's she's putting everything together so that we can give workshops and mentorships, because I mean, also like accessing these schools like I mean I was lucky to like find a scholarship etc but it's even getting there is, is very much based on privilege so I mean if, if we had access to these spaces to learn and connect with certain people and we can like teach what we learn to other people then that's that's really powerful. So basically, yeah, that's the idea. Like it's to make, give workshops and mentorships, but at a very affordable price for someone who's starting out. Yeah. That's kind of like the philosophy. Amazing. And uh, while we're speaking about workshops and I guess maybe also this kind of tutoring aspect, or uh, maybe I wouldn't even call it tutoring, more like sharing. Mm -hmm. um, It reminds me of uh, um, a workshop that you mentioned in our last conversation that you were about to host together with um, the artist Ida Lupo uh, at Kask in Ghent. Um, I was so fascinated about the whole concept behind your workshop. Um, so yeah, I would just invite you to please um, share with, with, with me and our listeners again um, how it went and maybe even some outcomes from this week um, at Cask, just just for context um, for the listeners, um, the course is part of a, a series called Uninstructing. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong, which looks to fill or to kind of highlight any blind spots within academia. Um, so that just as a background uh, for this workshop. Yes, the name of the workshop, like the workshop week. I mean, yes, the name of the all the activities that happened during the week was Uninstructing Photography. And I think it was also a typo. I heard this that it was on instructing photography, but oh, someone wow. put you, and they were like, "Well, this is this is Perfect. this is a sign exactly." So it's uninstructing photography, and I thought it was really cool. It was um, basically the idea is that it's workshops by the students for students. So it's kind of like trying to to break a little bit the hierarchy in education. And we went, me and Ira went, and we did a workshop on shame. So um, this is an emotion that I'm very interested in. 
that I've been researching a little about. And one of our main concerns was uh, whether we would be able to generate that safe space if people would open up. Also, like, uh, culturally, maybe it's, like, more guarded, you know, more guarded communities or but actually it was super interesting to see I guess it was important that we said from the beginning we would tap on this so whoever signed up kind of knew what they were signing in for but everyone was very open and it was super humbling to feel how much trust there was to open up and I guess how much people really want to talk about these things because in the case of shame, for example, like one of the things that makes it most unbearable is the fact that we feel alone and that we can't talk about it. But in the end, it's also human emotion and like even even the ugly and messy sides of humanity are, are still part of our nature. And like a, a, an important step is to kind of like, um, what's the word, um, demystify them and be able to talk about it within each other because we all shared a lot of this. So like there were, it was, it was, it was just very sweet. Like we all were able to talk about it. And for instance, people, people would bring up comments as simple as, Oh, sometimes I, I think I'm crazy. And then everyone's like, me too, me too. Me too. I was like, Oh my God, I've had that thought so many times where I'm like, I'm actually nuts, <laughs> you know? And, and then one day I was like, okay, yeah, I'm nuts. Of course I'm nuts. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> and everyone is, <laughs> but it was so sweet. Like, it was so cool to, to see that every other person actually has these exact same thought that, that sometimes we think it's so unique to our experience. Um, so yeah, basically we were able to talk about all these things and then we did like a, a huge collage where we put everything together. And so it was also kind of like, we didn't uh, ask the students to like explain their image, you know, like I feel like so many times that at least for me, that was so traumatizing in school. Like you would put the image there and like, everyone's like, oh, this is formally incorrect. Like you can't do this this way and that. And I was like, here, I don't, I kind of don't want to like, if, it's cool if they share the story, but I don't want to like grade anything. I just want them like we just wanted them to be able to produce whatever they felt was right and bring it together as a group uh so that was cool and literally uninstructing yeah exactly uh, and then in general i thought their initiative like cask initiative was amazing i mean going to hint was beautiful like the people there were so nice it was it was it was amazing but also I think their idea I hope it keeps getting replicated because on the one hand it was uh, making photography education more horizontal which I think is essential you know like so many times in school we're banned from a engaging in certain projects or like moving forward with certain ideas it's kind of like you're you're you someone decides that's not a good idea and then it's over and that's kind of like sad um but at the same time just in general like realizing that students can teach teachers so many things as well um but the other thing that I found was really cool is this network of students in different schools, right? Um, they express and many times we're very much immersed in the school that we're going to, but the fact that we can create a network with other students around the globe, I, I think that's amazing. So I hope other schools grab onto it too and like keep creating these spaces where students can meet each other. I think that's very powerful. Yeah, yeah and to also kind of transmit this 
confidence in a way that you know we're already experts of our own emotions in a way there's there's not there's nothing really to be instructed or to be taught in in how you express yourself it's more actually allowing the space and safety to to go for it and you know to 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 trust in that um to trust in the process like you were saying before to to try something not because of a specific outcome or a you know a a, a series or composition in mind but to really I feel into the images or to feel, um, yeah, to, to look inside. Um, I think that's what really uh, fascinated me most about yeah, hearing about this workshop you were going to do. Um, because for me personally also, um, there was not much of this space um, in art school, for example, to, yeah, to, to go there and to be that raw or vulnerable. Um, so... Yeah, a lot of respect for and admiration for for these workshops. Um, I'm curious to, yeah, hopefully maybe see some some results or or to see how it also grows. Yeah, me and Ira really had a blast. Um, it was really cool. Maybe we'll be able to replicate it. Um, but yeah, I wanted to just quickly add on to what you were saying about the product. Like I I think. Many times when, when you go into unexplored spaces or when you're finding yourself, like at the beginning, like your language, it's, it's just going to be very awkward and ugly. <laughs> and students need to be allowed to kind of like give time to their work. I think sometimes you can take years, you know, of like producing like mediocre uh, ugly things that are not like at all a fit into the photography canon but in the end there might be something really good at the end of it but you need to be allowed to explore it to kind of wrap up um the conversation slowly um i was wondering if we could get your um maybe personal answer or definition of a question that we we posed in the 57th issue of For Magazine, um, which was launched actually exactly, well, roughly two years ago um, at the beginning of the first um, lockdown, um, where we asked, what can photography do? Um, I think we've probably touched upon it a few times throughout the, the conversation. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe as a concluding thought, what what do you think photography can do or what does photography do for you? I think photography can allow us to to connect, to understand, to digest, to to question. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of be maybe be a vessel to carry those those things maybe. Yeah, I mean, to me photography definitely is like what allows me to process. Um, I think without photography, things are a bit overwhelming, but photography is kind of like that medium that allows me to, yeah, to digest and process reality. Yeah. And having now concluded also the Foam Talent uh, program, um, what, are, what are your next steps? Um, do you have any, any beans to spill or um, secrets to share with us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna spill the beans. That's that's my favorite activity. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, um, well, right now I'm working on on a book. I would like <gasps> to make a book. 
<laughs> but nice. well, I mean, it's quite a challenge because, you know, like New Romantic is very non-linear, I believe. Like it's, it's been like this process in at least progress within me, but when I try to put it into a book, it's just, it's very non-linear. So that's the challenge, but I'm super excited to take on that challenge. I think it's going to allow me to like close the project. And, uh, I'm thinking a lot about stress lately. So hmm, maybe tell me more. <laughs> I, it's very abstract at the moment, but <laughs> But yeah, stress. I think I want to dive into stress. <laughs> yeah, so interesting and also so much needed at these times. Um, I guess. Yeah, it's... to kind of to think about it more and uh, and explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're in a. Is it called endemic? It's. Hold on. I think like, we've entered that. Yeah. Yeah, like we're all we're all suffering of stress and it's it's kind of it's like sugar it, it can cause so many diseases it can be yeah. so, so bad for our health okay very very curious to see more of that and thank you for joining us today it's been really wonderful catching up and and also in a way uncovering uh, those a few of those layers within your work also um so thank you for sharing and um best of luck for for the upcoming projects have a good day ahead. Hi, <laughs> Caddy. Thank you so much for this invitation. It's so cool to, to engage in conversation again. And looking forward to the next time. Have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Foam Talks. Please check our social media channels for the upcoming releases. The current issue of Foam Magazine is available at some of the best bookshops around the globe. And of course, online in our webshop. Thank you so much for supporting us. Until next time. Viva.